Welcome to the Muso Church Podcast. Here, we share the powerful and practical gospel of Jesus Christ until everyone is free and flourishing. We're so excited that you're here. Wherever you're listening from, we are trusting and believing that God is going to touch your life through this podcast. Good morning. Are you well? You're good? At Musa Church, we believe in giving. Giving is part of our worship. Giving is part of what, what we do. It is part of what we are. We are celebrating our second year today because of the generosity of the people of God. The reality is what we get to do here, what we get to enjoy here, costs money. We would like to, to, to believe otherwise. We would like it to be otherwise. Probably would love to come to church and we never have to talk about money. You want to come to church with your thousand rents and go home with your thousand rents. Unfortunately, to keep this thing running, there's a cost implication. And it is the faithfulness of the people. You know, yesterday I was talking with a friend and I was saying to him, yeah, no, she was asking, how is it going? I'm like, it's going well, da 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 uh, And he was asking me technical stuff and I was giving him details. Yeah, this is what is happening. Um, and, and he says, how do you pay for everything? I'm like, um, Tyson offering. He says, no, man. Like, how do you, like, to be able to pay for everything here, what, where do you get the money? I'm like, yeah, Tyson offering. Like, so people just give you the money, like, just, just like that? I'm like, well, they don't give it to me, but yeah, <laughs> pretty much. He says, don't you have, like, another financial model? I'm like, we don't. The Bible prescribes only one. There's no other model that we should, that we are using. And you know, people always come to us and say, but we must explore other models. I'm like, listen, man, if that's what you want to do, that's great. The biblical prescript is that the people of God, they must give. And the people of God have been giving. And guys, I really, from the bottom of my heart, want to say thank you. I want to thank each and every one of you for your generosity. It has been a blessing to us, to this church May God richly bless you for that. Amen. If you want to give this morning, we have different ways of giving. You can give. There's a basket. There is a, the details on the screen will come in three, two, two and a half. And there you go. So you can use the EFT. Uh, those are banking details. If you are in, on PayFast, you can use PayFast. And if you'd like, we have a QR code. No, no, not a QR code. We have a, a Yoko machine, a card machine. Kia is standing at the back there. If you'd like to use your card to give, you can just quickly go to Kia and she will help you with that. Amen. Let us pray as, as we give. Father, thank you that we have an opportunity to come and give into your house and be a blessing and partner with you in what you are doing in our city through this local church. I pray, Heavenly Father, that each and every family, individual that gives today, will be blessed, they will experience overflow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you. Thank you so much as you give. Uh, may God richly, richly bless you. My voice is, is, is leaving me. I don't know if you can hear. Uh, if I can have maybe a bit of warm water, that would, that would be helpful. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, I was, uh, I was not at the party somewhere drinking and having a good time. I don't know what is happening. It's just a weird thing. Um, 
almost more than two years ago, we sat with about 12 people in our, in our two-bedroom house in Pretoria East, Moikluf Ridge. And uh, I'm suspecting that most of them were there because they are my friends. Uh, and uh, in fact, all of them were there because they are my friends. Um, and uh, we sat with them and said, hey, we have a dream in our hearts. We believe God has called us to plant not just a church, a life-giving church. We believe that God has called us to plant a church that will disrupt the city for the establishment of God's kingdom. But like we believe that God has called us to plant a city, uh, to plant a church, a church that is expansive. We believe that God has called us to plant a church that is energetic. We believe that God has called us to plant a church that is innovative. We believe that God has called us to plant a church that with trend setting, we believe that God has called us to plant a church that will change the trajectory of how church is done in our country. We believe that God has called us to plant a church that will bring the city to a standstill. And that, that now you're speaking to 12 people as if you are preaching to, uh, uh, probably they wanted to say, sir, it's just, it's just 12 of us. You don't have to, to speak so loudly. Like it's not necessary for you to preach. It's just the 12 of us. I'm like, guys, you see 12, I see 12,000. Come on, work with me here. But the thing is, we were, we were intentional. Nothing that you see in Musa Church is by accident. The, the, the way we do church is intentional. We did not stumble upon it. It, is, it, is, it was intentional from the get-go. We, we decided from the beginning, thank you so much, uh, she says I must call her Tat. No. That's my wife, if you don't know. Just in case you are wondering. We stood there, and I, and I spoke to these 12 people and say, God has put a dream in our hearts. A dream to plant a church that is so expansive with energy that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they were, they were crazy enough to believe that. They're like, you know what, man? We're in. Whatever it is that you, you, you say we, are, we must do, we'll do it. And uh, some of them along the way, they were like, you know, we, we did not think you were being literal about some of the stuff you were saying. We thought, we didn't think it would be you know, once more saying, I mean, he was like, listen, man, I've been leading worship for the rest of my life. I've never worked so hard in my life. He says, yeah, there's a meeting on Monday, there's a meeting on Wednesday, there's a meeting on Saturday, and then on Sunday we are here at 7 o'clock for a 10 o'clock service. I'm like, yeah, an expansive church does not happen by accident, it happened by intention. It's not just going to happen because we think it, it's going to happen because we think it and we do it. And we were clear about what we are trying, what we are trying to do. It was clear from the get-go, and that's what vision is. So for the rest of, 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 uh, of this month, we're going to be talking about, about vision, because I'm trusting God that you would not just be part of, a, of an expansive vision, but that you will have an expansive vision for your life. 
I'm trusting God that you will not just be part of a progressive church, but you'll be a progressive person yourself. That you will not be just part of an, of an innovative church, but you will be innovative. That you will not just be part of a fruitful church, but you will be fruitful. That you will not just be part of a growing church, but that you will grow. That you will not just be part of an excellent church, but you as well will be excellent. I'm trusting God that your life, the church will be a reflection of the pews. The time where the pastor and the church are the only progressive things in the congregation has come to an end. All of us, we must be moving to the front. All of us must be moving forward. We want to see fruit in your life. We want to hear testimonies. We don't just want to come and say, hey, the church is moving to a new building. We want to hear you saying, hey, we are also moving to a new house. We don't just want to hear that, oh, people are joining the church. Singles, we want to hear that someone is joining you. Come on now. We're trusting God. I'm trusting God that as we say, 2023 is a year of good news. You can be able to say for your personal life, 2023 is a year of sorrow and soul for my life. And we're not just going to do that. Let me tell you what's going to happen, especially for those that are in small groups. Everyone is going to come with their vision for the next year. And you are going to hold each other accountable within small groups. We're not going to be here in January and say it's a year of good news and then in March you're forgotten about it. We're going to hold you accountable. We're going to go like, hey, Soli, your, your gym membership, let's see, bro. We want to see. How, how's it going? How is it going? How is it, how's it going? Because some of you, you have rather, rather tied with that money, my, my, my candies. Rather tied with that money because you are paying the gym and vele, you are not even going. So if you are not going to go, we can use some of that. How much is the gym these days? It's expensive, eh? It's expensive. And we want to talk about, so in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, about vision. We're going to be talking about, about vision. But before we talk about vision from God, because I believe that God has given each and every one of us a vision. Vision is not something to be developed. Vision is something to be discovered. It's not something we come up with. It is something that we receive from God. A godly vision always has multi-generational impact. And all of us have a vision from God. But sometimes we are missing that vision because we are trying to develop something that we must be downloading. It's something that we need to discover, but we are trying to develop it. And that's why this morning I want to talk about vision bearers. Because we, we talk too much about vision... But the creator of vision is done with it. The problem oftentimes is not the vision. It is the vision bearers. It is the people who are supposed to incubate the vision who are not positioned to receive it and to execute it. Godly vision is always fruitful. Godly vision is always multiplying. Godly vision is always dominion. But it is the vision bearers who always mess it up. 
God walks into the garden, he speaks to man, he says, you must be fruitful, multiply. I give you my image, my likeness, my dominion, multiplication, and this. Five days later, they mess it up. It was not the vision, it was the vision bearers. Well, it was not literally five days, but you get my point, right? Oftentimes, it's not, it's not the vision, it's the vision bearer. Guys, Musa Church, God, God, God is not, it's not a respecter of person. He didn't sit in heaven and says, you know, I want all the other churches not to do one, two, three. I want Musa Church to be the only one that does one, two, three. Uh-uh. He has, he, his favor and grace is upon all of us. It is the vision bearers, the people who are incubating this vision. How are you stewarding the vision that God has given you? How are you as a vision bearer? So no man puts new wine into old wine skin. How are you as a wine skin? Do you have the capacity to hold the vision of God? Not only that, do you have the capacity to execute the vision of God? Do you have the capacity to see it to completion? Do you have the capacity to imagine it and execute it? Of LNJ, when NJ, you are happy to come to church every Sunday. Vision bearers. One of the, the famous scripture when you're talking about vision is which scripture? Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2, right? You can even say it. What does it say? Write the vision down, make it plain on a tablet so that he who who sees it, may, may run with it. A vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarries, it will surely come. It will come to pass. In fact, it shall not, it shall not tarry. We know that. And that one is clear. That's what we say. A vision is for an appointed time. Write it down, da-da-da-da. We have skipped verses 1 and verses 2. We have went to verses 3. Because verses 3 talks about the vision, which has nothing to do with you. It was created by someone else. It comes from God. But verses 1 and verses 2 talks about the vision bearer, which is you. So sometimes we are quick to jump to God's responsibility because it's easier because we don't have to do anything when we have our part that we need to do. What was Prophet Habakkuk doing when he got that vision? What was his posture when he got that vision? What was his mindset when he got that vision? What was the posture of his heart when he got that vision? You are busy, write the vision on that, but your posture is not ready to incubate the vision. Write the vision, make it plain, plain, plain way, where, where, how? Are you the kind of vision bearer that God can trust you with godly vision? Look at what happens. Let's talk, let's talk about that story quickly. I have 27 minutes. Let's talk about that story quickly. The story is a story of uh, 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 the children of Israel. This is now the south. They are in their last decade of, 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 their, of their reign. Right? And this, is now, this is now Israel's south. The, king, the southern part of, of Israel. And at this time, the children of Israel, they are messing up. The children of Israel are messing up. They are living in sin. They are disobeying God. They are, they are, they are, man, it's adultery. It's, it's all kinds of things. It's a mess. And God is getting ready to hand them over to the Babylonian 
uh, kingdom. And the Babylonians were known to be the most ruthless of, of all uh, enemies. If, if the Lord hands you over to the Babylonians, then you know that, hey, amen, it's tough. You know that there is, there's no way out. And then this is what the vision bearer. Prophet Habakkuk, this is what he does. So he's seeing a mess. He does not engage the mess. He engages God. In verses 1, Prophet Habakkuk does not speak to the children of Israel. He goes and speaks to God. But when he goes and speaks to God, he does not tell God what must happen in the nation. He asks God two questions. That's what a vision bearer does. A vision bearer is not quick to give answers. A vision bearer is quick to ask questions. Most of us, we are living a small life because we are telling God what he must do. But Habakkuk went to God and said, God, what must I do? We come to God and say, God, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. Vision bearers don't tell God, they ask God. He comes, he asks a question. He says, God, where are, he's asking God, God, where, where, what is your position in this mess? What is your thoughts in this mess? What is your posture in this mess? We are trying to change the city before we inquire of the Lord. That's why the demons in the city, they are not even afraid of us. That's why the strongholds in the city are not even afraid of us because we are trying to move without inquiring from God. Habakkuk says God, he asks God two questions. Before he gets a vision, he asks questions. What kind of questions are you asking God? You're like, God, I want you to bless me with a job that does one, two, three, four, five. And God's like, man, whoa, ask me what I want to do in your life. Don't tell me what I must do. Sometimes we are living a small vision because we told God what must happen. I said, God, bless me with a church of 10,000 people. He says, man, I wanted to bless you with the whole continent. I wanted to bless you with the whole continent, but you walk in acting like you are God and I'm your servant. You are going to tell me what I must do. Prophet Habakkuk positioned himself. He comes to God and says, God, what? What's up? What's happening? And look at what Habakkuk does. He does not ask, he does not speak to the children of Israel. He speaks to God. He does not, he does not engage the problem. He engages the provider. He doesn't engage where the problem is. He goes to, to God. You know, we, 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 I've seen people a lot of time when I, uh, 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 they get hurt. Ne? Something happens to you that is tragic. And then after you have went through a tragic experience, then you open a ministry to minister to people who might go through something like that. So what we do is we take our misery and we turn it into a mission. You're like, you know, I want to reach out to women who have been raped. Because I was raped. So you are taking a brokenness and you are taking a misery, you are taking a mess and you are turning it into a mission. And God says, listen, just because this has happened to you, it does not change what I want to do in your life. Let me tell you guys, my mom and my dad, they just decided that after they gave birth to me, they are not interested in raising a child. 
right? So they were never there. So I was raised by my grandmother. I could have decided that, you know what? I'm going to reach out to boys who don't have parents. Why? Because it is my pain, but it does not mean it's necessarily my purpose. You need to stop responding to your pain and start responding to purpose. And how do we do that? We do that by asking God and not telling him. God, I want to open an orphanage. Please provide. God's like, I did not call you to open an orphanage. There's a lot of people I've called to open an orphanage, not you. I don't want you to service from your wounds. I want you to service from my wonder. Not, not from your wounds, not from your pain, but from purpose that I've called you for. We're busy, we're, and now, here's the thing. Now you're busy, you know, ministering to these ladies who have been great, and every now and then you are being triggered. It does not allow you the opportunity to step up to what God has called you to. Because you did not come to God to inquire, you came to God to instruct. So where would I be now? Where would Musa Church be if I was busy there ministering to boys who were abandoned by their parents? Musa Orphanage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be having Musa Orphanage. We'll be having Musa Orphanage now. Listen, man, I know that your pain is personal to you. Don't turn it into a mission. Don't turn it into purpose unless God says so. That's the thing about vision bearing. We ask questions. We ask God questions. Say, God, what do you want with me? I see what has happened to me. What do you want to do through me? I, 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 and, and ladies, I want to speak to you particularly. A lot of ladies who are in ministry, when you ask them, so what is your ministry? No, God has called me to minister to women. Why? Why is that every woman who is called by God is called to minister to women? Is God that sexist that he cannot call women to just minister to everyone? Why must men minister to everyone, but women only minister to women? It's because it does not come from God. It comes from your limitations. You have limited yourself. Now you want to limit God. He said, no, God has called me to reach out to women. Why is it that he did not call me to reach out to men? He called me to reach out to everyone, but when I specifically, because you are a woman, now you must minister. So now you're saying God said, okay, let the, this one get raped so that he can minister to people who are getting raped. Is it that wicked? Don't, don't, don't create your mission out of your misery. It's not what God has called you for. It's not. You have a passion. Make it a passion project. Keep busy with what God has called you for. Moses was an orphan. He was not, he didn't open an orphanage for children. He went and delivered the children of Israel as an orphan, as a stutterer. He didn't go and say, all the disabled children, come to me. No, he went and delivered the children of Israel. Imagine Moses. Moses decided that, hey, you know what? I'm an, I'm an orphan and I'm a stammerer. And he, go, he goes to the children of Israel. Guys, all those that are. Uh. He didn't. Despite his challenges, he had a greater vision that God had for his life. Despite where, what happened to him, he allowed God to do what he wanted to do through him. 
I, I want to, I want to, I want to. Stop, 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 stop. And we get to that point when we, when we ask questions, not when we instruct God. And I want to challenge you. 2023, in this last month that is left, go and inquire of the Lord. Say, God, what do you want to do through my life? What do you want to do through my life? If Jesus was born in a manger, he could have started You get, you get my point? You see, guys? Peter was a fisherman. He became the greatest church planter. God's vision for your life always trumps your experience. Your experience becomes handy. It does not become the foundation. Your experience, your experience is a tool. It's not the foundation. It's not the mission. You use that experience to build upon, but vision comes from God. That's what Habakkuk does. And then the Bible says, I love Habakkuk, man. This guy. And it's just, guys, go and read it. It's just three, three chapters. It's not a lot. Right? Let's go to Habakkuk 2. We stand. So now, he's in a place where people are, are disobedient. They are broken. They are traumatized. They are all these things. Right? And then, this is now... Before he gets, before we go to write the vision on the wall, make it plain on the table that the writer, what the runner, one, da, 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 da. this is what Habakkuk says. Remember, the second part, the one that we quote, is not what Habakkuk says, it is what God says. So when we are quoting God, we are quoting the wrong person. If there's a person that we are close to that we can quote, it's Habakkuk, not God. Habakkuk, as a, this is what he does before he receives. The vision. I will stand my watch and set myself on a rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and I will answer when he corrects me. Habakkuk is setting himself up as a vision bearer to be able to receive from God. He says, listen, God is about to do his part Oh my God, may he not find me not ready to receive that which he's about to give me. He says, I set myself apart. Man, I love this one verse. This, this one verse. Listen to what, listen to what Habakkuk is saying. The first, the first thing. Go, go, go back, go back, go back. Thank you. Habakkuk says, everyone is complaining. I set myself above the complaints. Everyone is mourning. I set myself above the mourning. Everyone is talking about the bad economy. I set myself up. I separate myself so that I can be able to hear from God. Some of us, the challenge we are not hearing from God is not that God must be louder, it's that we must come nearer. Habakkuk says, hey man, there is a mess here. I need to separate myself so that I can hear him clearly. It's not that you are, a, you are not a vision bearer. It's that you are a distracted vision bearer. 
God is speaking and he's not going to get louder. You must get closer. You must separate yourself. What is that, what is that, what is that, that story that we, uh, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you, uh, what did I do? What did I do? I set you apart to be what? To be a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet gets a revelation from God. But you are not going to get a revelation while you are still mixed up. You need to get revelation when you are set apart. And Habakkuk does that. He says, I am going to set myself apart. The problem sometimes is that we are overstimulated. We cannot even be innovative. There's this thing that happens in when, when, when you write music. I write songs, right? So what happens is, oh man, so crazy. I will write a song and I'm enjoying it. I'm like, ooh, this is the one. Then I send it to Pule and say, Pule, listen to the song, man. It sounds great. And then Pule says, it sounds familiar. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, no, man, the melody sounds familiar. And then I go back to what I've been listening that week, and I realize that it was not innovative. It was the stimulation of what is around me. I did not hear from God. I took what, I mimicked what was happening around me. And Habakkuk says, I don't want to mimic what's happening here. I don't want vision to come from what is happening here. I don't want to respond only to what is happening here. I need a vision that is set apart from this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to separate myself. And I'll write the song. Like this song that we sang this morning, the first song, the melody was not like that. And when we were working on it, I said to people, oh, the melody comes from Todd Delaney's song. And that's what I had been listening to the past two weeks. So it, did not, it was not inspired by God. It was the overstimulation around me. Some of us, we think, oh man, this is so revolutionary. And this comes from God. And then you pitch it to someone else. And they go like, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that sunlight, sunlight slogan? They're like, no, it's not. Then they pull it. They're like, no, man, yeah, it's sunlight slogan. And you're like, ah, there's nothing new under the sun. God wants to give you something new. He wants to give you something new. But you are, you are so mixed up with the world that he cannot give you something new. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 1. The Bible says, and the, and the, the world was dark, and the, spirit of the world, and the Spirit of God hovered along with the darkness. No. And the Spirit of God hovered together with the darkness. No. It says the Spirit of God hovered above. Because if we're going to get godly vision, we must set ourselves above the chaos. We must set ourselves above the noise. We must set ourselves above the stimulation. We must switch on social media for a while. We must switch off some friends for a while. We must switch off some family members for a while. Even some people who are going to tell you, you cannot make it, you must mute them for a while. To create clarity. Because the, the challenge sometimes is that we are bad vision bearers because we are cluttered. We are, we are cluttered. We are overstimulated. Even when God is speaking, we can't hear him. He says, I'm not going to get louder. You come closer. Come closer. God says, I'm, you know, you come and say, God, speak to me. He says, I've been speaking. God, give me a revelation. He says, I, 
You see, that, that accident that happened, it shouldn't have. I warned you about it, but you were overstimulated. Can I tell you a stupid story that happened to me? The beginning of the year, I drive to the valve where my, my in-laws are. And, uh, and no, I'm saying in-laws for context sake. And my wife says family. Yes, they are my family, but. Okay, parents, if you are watching this, you are my family. <laughs> just that. Anyway, it's just that I had to pay you to be a family. Anyway. Um, no, I'm just kidding. 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 No, guys, I'm just joking. I'm just, come down, come down, come down, come down. Come down. Yes. Sorry, listen, listen, I love you. Love you, you know. Sorry. So I go, I go there. Look here, serious, let's come here. I go there. And, and as I'm driving, I just like, man, we need to plant a life-giving church here. I'm like, we need to plant a church here. It's gonna be exciting. I'm excited in my spirit. I'm like, you know, yeah, this is, this is it, right? And I speak to my parents and I say to them, hey, listen, I want, to, I want us to plant a muso branch this side. They get excited. We start, we start bringing people together. There's about 20 people now that are starting to come together in the bar. And, you know, it's exciting. I'm like, man, you know, things are, things are great. We see a church that is abundant. And, in fact, that's where it started. I see a church that is abundant. And I start negotiating with the owners and say, hey, guys, we want to, we want to take this, this building. And then we start negotiating prices and, 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 and all that. And I'm excited. And I'm excited about it. Now we are meeting and, and all these things. And, and I go to one of my friends, he's here. I don't like him a lot, but, but, but yeah. So, so I go to him and I say to him, listen, dude. I come to him, I'm excited. I'm like, hey, listen, man. Uh, we, we are planting a church in the Val. You know, we have a building already. There are people that are gathering already. Even this week, they gave an offering. You know, things are going. And can you imagine the headlines? We are not even two years old, and already we have two campuses. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be the top of the town. <laughs> this guy says to me, man, that's amazing. Really, really, that environment needs a life-giving church. But do you have to do it now? I'm like, what? He says, do you, have, do you have to do it now? I didn't want to hear that. Because ambition was speaking louder than the Spirit of God. Ego was speaking louder than the Spirit of God. The potential likes that comes with that were speaking louder than the Spirit of God. The potential, you know, accolades that comes with that were speaking louder than the voice of God. Like everything, that, that, that the idea of being that guy was speaking louder than the voice of God. I was cluttered and overstimulated by opportunity and not necessarily obedience. 
I saw an opportunity and I was moving out of opportunity and not necessarily obedience. You see, when you set yourself apart, you respond out of obedience and not opportunities because there are opportunities that are meant to steal your destiny. There are opportunities that are meant to disrupt you from your destiny. I was not happy with this guy when he said that. And he said to me, look, bro, the Pretoria branch is doing well, but it's still small. Give it time. You have a toddler. That is a lot of work. Give it time. Your marriage is still fresh, young. Give it time. You are also working. And you are working full time and you are running the church full time. Give it time. And God was speaking to this guy. And that was the last time we had the conversation. That was it. And now, God has spoken through this man and my ego is speaking. And guess what? I mean, practicing a church is a good thing. Right? But doing a good thing at the wrong time will break you. It's necessary to set yourself apart. And there are people that are an escape from the noise. And oftentimes the people who are an escape from the noise are people who are not impressed with you. They are not overly impressed. They don't clap for everything you do. They ask you questions. They're like, yeah, we see what you're doing, but have you thought about this? In a season where you separate yourself, separate yourself from people who are always clapping for you. There is a time where you need to be around people who are clapping for you, but when it's about time to receive vision from God, move away from people who are clapping for you. They don't have the ability to discern or the confidence to correct you. Because your, the proximity to you is more important than you obeying God. They are more interested in not offending you and they would rather allow you to disobey God as long as they are not offending you. You need people around you who would rather lose you as a friend as long as they are ensuring that you are obeying God and you are healthy. And I had to to swallow my pride, Osbongi. You were there. I had to go back to the parents and everyone was gathered there and the owners of the building and say to them, not now. Not now. And man, I'm healthier. This church is healthier. My marriage is healthier. In general, are healthier you need to have a people that are a separation Habakkuk separates himself so as a vision bearer you need to prioritize make it a habit of separating yourself in fact I want to say every month you need to have a time of separation every month you need to have a day or two or a week where you are separated it's just you and God having a conversation. And trusted partners who will, who will help you think. 
get away a bit or from people who are clapping. They are good for us, but you can't. And listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, And I set myself on a rampart so that I may see what God is saying. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? How do you see what someone is saying? He says, I set myself apart to see what God is saying. Because it is in the nature of our God that when he speaks, he does not just describe, he designs. When he speaks, he creates. His words have creative power. And he's looking for men and women who not just hear his word, but will see his word. They will see what God is doing. They will see the city transformed. They will see their family built. They will see the nation change. They will see the church standing. He's looking for people who will see what he says. The Bible says, and God says, let there be shwa. And it did not sound like it happened. It was. Because he's a God, when he speaks, things happen. And he's looking for people who will see what he says. In Isaiah 32, like in Isaiah 33, the Bible says, and, and God says, behold, I am doing a... I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? It is coming about. And he's speaking about what? He's speaking about, look to me, he's speaking about the coming of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the new thing that he was doing. Salvation was the new thing that he was doing. But that was 700 years before Jesus Christ came because he was saying, man, you don't have to see it with your eyes, in your spirit. You must see it and hold on to it. It says the 700 years between that statement, behold, I'm doing a new thing, and the birth of Jesus Christ. In Revelations, the Bible says, before the foundations of the earth, the lamb was already slain, and you were written in the books of the slain lamb. So before the darkness, Jesus was there. God has a vision. The question is, do we see it? Do we, do we have a picture of what God wants to do? Have you painted the picture? Have you painted the picture? Have you allowed God, have you taken God's words and begin to visualize them? What you are seeing here, I saw it. I didn't just hear about it. I saw it. And they can tell you guys, I'm obsessed with excellence and just doing things well because I saw it in my spirit. There's a kind of church that I saw. You know, someone this morning was saying to me, man, are you not glad with what is happening at Musa Church? Are you not celebrating? I, I, I'm like, yeah. not really. 
I'm like, yeah, I'm celebrating, thank God. But I noticed we are on step one of 100 steps. There is a picture that I saw. And great as this is, this is not the picture. It's not even a fraction of that. And until we get to that picture, we are going to step one step at a time, one sermon at a time, one offering at a time, one worship song at a time, one building at a time, until that picture comes clear, the picture that I saw. Because I saw a picture. I have a picture, it's not an idea. I see the stage. I see the people. I hear the songs. I see the sound. I see it in my spirit. And I'm like, until I get there, every single day I'm going to throw myself into this thing until that picture becomes a reality. I've seen the picture. Have you seen the picture? He comes to Joseph, he shows Joseph a picture. He goes to, to Abraham and he shows Abraham a picture. He says, I'm sending you to a land of milk. He describes it, a land of milk and honey. And in Exodus, he comes to Moses and says, Moses, you have camped here for far too long. It is time for you to break camp, to go and possess the picture. And have you realized that the minute you come into contact, the minute you see the picture that God has for you, everything else does not, is not enough. You become, you go, guys, have you realized that if you decide right now, cool, says, I want to buy a red Mercedes-Benz C-Class 220 AMG. The minute you go out of here, you are going to see one. And before the end of the day, you would have seen a couple of them. Right? So what, what has happened? Have the, have the cars suddenly popped up? No. Your mind has focused everything onto seeing that. Because you have seen a picture in your mind. Now your mind is what in psychology they call priming of the mind. Your mind is primed to see only that. Guys, my mind is primed to see only a life-giving church. My mind is primed to see only an innovative church. My mind is primed to see only an excellent church. My mind is primed to see a church that will shake the nation. My mind is primed to see a church that will be internationally acclaimed, that will influence the world. My mind is primed. That's it. Nothing less. If someone comes here at Ed Musso and say, hey man, you know, I feel like you guys are a bit loud. I'm like, you think we are? We didn't fall into it. We want to be loud. We're always going to be loud. It's a picture we have. It's not by chance. It's not by mistake. We saw what God said. My question is, have you seen what God has said? A vision bearer has a healthy imagination. A vision bearer has a healthy imagination. They are able to visualize. Man, as I'm sitting here, when I say piece of, I'm seeing it, man. I'm seeing it. And every morning I wake up. And here's, here's the thing about seeing the picture. When it's tough, you wake up. When it's cold, you wake up. When there's no money, you wake up. 
When there is money, you wake up. When people don't like it, you wake up. When people like it, you wake up. When things are not going well, you wake up because you have seen the picture. Because you have seen the picture. And Konzi is going to come and wants to give you advance, advice. And when they want to give you advice, you, you match that advice with the picture. If you don't have a picture, you will be swayed left, right, and center. Someone is going to come and say, don't you think your church must do one, two, three? I'm like, it, that, that is nice, but the picture is this. Don't you think you must sing this? I'm like, that is great, but the picture is this. Don't you think you must dress like this? That is great. That's actually a good advice, but the picture is this. Some advices are good, but they are not godly for what we are busy with. And if you don't have a picture, everything that sounds good is going to sway you. Challenging times are going to sway you. So a vision bearer sets themselves apart. A vision bearer has an active imagination. And lastly, Habakkuk says, and I set myself so that I may be able to know what to say when God corrects me. Listen to that, to that attitude. A teachable attitude. As a vision bearer, you need to have a teachable attitude. You need to allow God to move you. Don't be too rigid. Allow God to move you, to frustrate you, to slow you down. The seasons where God is going to slow you down, the seasons where God is going to frustrate you, the seasons where God is going to elevate you, the seasons where God is going to sit you down. You must be flexible enough for God to do that. Don't be so, so fixated in, in your own ideas. Guys, so, so here's the thing. When the guy said to me, no, you must slow down and da, 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 and focus, I was convinced that what he said was coming from God because there was an amen in my spirit and it spoke to the picture I had. It spoke to the picture. I'm like, this guy knows that if we're going to plant churches, this one must be working. It must be strong. It must be the blueprint. We must do this one so well that when we move out of here, we're not trying to figure out there. We're just taking copy-paste, copy-paste. We are reproducing. If, you're working in a, if you have ever worked in a factory, they spend so much time on the prototype. And they keep fixing the prototype they fix they keep working on the prototype and when they are done with the prototype and they know that the, this one works now they start what duplicating i was duplicating that which was not complete so i was going to duplicate things that are not complete i wrote on facebook this week god has called you to do great things you don't have to do all of them now God has called you to do great things you don't have to do all of them now do what he has given you to do now and do that well but that takes a certain kind of posture it takes a certain kind of spirit listen man I could have 
I could have said to this guy, Wahanya Wena, without any kerek. On a look and I get a sometimes. Guys, there are people when they speak in your life, you know that it's God. Regardless of how tempting it is, don't, don't shut down that voice. Have a teachable spirit. You see, any person who realigns you to the dream of God for your life, that person loves you. There are people, Chilis, who are clapping for you while you are about to, to fall off a cliff. And you think they love you because they are clapping. And you think this one hates you because they're saying to you, no, no, no. They're like, you see, I, that negativity, I don't like that negativity. Yeah, that negative, you are killing my vibe. And this one's a clapping. Yeah. You need people. But as a vision bearer, if the vision of God is going to come to pass in your life, you need to have that humble spirit that can take correction. Otherwise, you're going to sabotage yourself. And you're going to sabotage what God has given you. So what do we do as a vision bearer? Number one, you need to be a good, you need to be good at asking questions. And not just ask questions, ask God questions. Don't give instructions, ask questions. Number two, you need to be good at setting yourself. You need to make it a habit of setting yourself apart, of separating yourself, so that you may be able to hear God clear. Thirdly, you need to activate your imagination. You need to be able to see. You need to be able to visualize. I want to challenge couples. Go and sit down and visualize. Individuals, go and sit down and visualize. Your single life for the next year, how do you want it to look like? Your married life, how do you want it to look like? Your job, how do you want it to look? How do you want this thing to look like? Do you know some of the single people that are here? Singleness is frustrating you because you don't have a plan for it. Because you are waiting every day for something that will happen when something should be happening now. You should be having a plan for the season you are in. Your plan can't be waiting. It's not a plan. What is your plan for your singleness? While I'm single, I'm going to do one, two, three. So I know it's like I'm out of here. There are these guys that I'm talking what what is your plan you are frustrated you are sitting there on the floor oh there's no one i'm so lonely because you don't have a plan if you had a plan you will not be lonely you'll be out there doing what your plan says you must be doing visualize a plan and then lastly have a, a teachable, humble spirit. Because here's the thing, you're not going to get it right all the time, Zumasa. And un unless you have, you have a teachable, humble spirit, you're going to run with a mistake just so that you're... Because 
Guys, I could have, I could have continued to, because I, if I was to go to Val now and start again, my, my parents, they're not going to clap and say, yo, you're back, let's go. No. Trust has been... I lost a bit of credit. I lost a bit of face. I'm willing to lose face. I'm willing to lose face so that I'm healthy. My family is healthy. And this congregation is healthy. I'll go back and I'll apologize. I'll we'll start again. Don't be committed to a wrong path just because you started on it. It's okay just to say, hey, I've been walking this journey, but it's actually not the right one. I need to turn. But that requires an attitude, a teachable attitude and a humble spirit. Father, thank you that you have given us vision and thank you that you are creating in us strong vision bearers straight focused vision bearers faithful vision bearers clear vision bearers courageous vision bearers I pray Heavenly Father that each and every person as they go home they will spend some time with you they will ask you the questions concerning their marriage their work their lives their purpose their calling they'll just begin asking you questions not only will they ask you questions, Heavenly Father, but they will set themselves apart to be able to hear from you. And they will have the imagination to see what you are saying. And they'll keep a soft heart, a humble spirit, a teachable spirit. And I pray that as they do that, you'll inspire them with a vision that they will write down and make it plain. He who runs, he who reads it, may run. We thank you, we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church of God said, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that this message has been a blessing to you. Why not be a blessing to someone else by sharing this message with them? Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Goodbye and God bless.